Desktop. I am Max Pennell, joined by Davis Boving. And this is episode six. We will, in this episode, discuss the Vols' big win over Duke in the round of 32 this past Saturday, as well as the round of 64 defeat of Louisiana. Just recapping the whole first weekend for the Vols. Then we'll get into the upcoming matchup on Thursday. We'll preview that game versus the FAU Owls. And at the end of the podcast, we will touch on the Lady Vols' birth to the Sweet 16 as well, as well as answering a listener question. So let's get started. Obviously, the big news on Rocky Top is Tennessee's big victory over the Duke Blue Devils Saturday. The Blue Devils were a slight favorite in that game despite being the higher seed. Didn't matter, though. Tennessee really controlled that game. There was about... There was a point where they were down 19-11, to 11, and then from that point on, Tennessee just controlled that game with their physicality and the defense that they've become famous for, holding the Blue Devils to 52 points, a all-time tournament low for Duke. And now the, the Vols are on the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2019. Obviously, they got by Louisiana before that as well in a, a closer game than the Duke game. But nonetheless, Tennessee on to the Sweet 16 thanks to their victory over Duke. Davis, what do you see in that game? Well, in the words of Olivier Nakamwa, we brought him down to the mud and Duke just couldn't seem to climb out. We talk about all the time in this tournament, you know, there's a regular season and then this is a whole new life. Tennessee was 4-6 and six coming into this tournament. Duke was 10-0 and in their last 10. It didn't matter. Uh, we, we brought him down into the dirt, made him just overwhelm them physically, really. And, and Duke couldn't seem to ever get a hang on things. Yeah, I mean, it started in those first those first two fouls by Euros, which obviously have drawn a lot of attention on Twitter and in the media on whether they should have been flagrant, whatever. But that's the kind of basketball Tennessee wants to play. And when they're playing like that, I mean, we I said it last week, the reason I felt like Duke wasn't, it wasn't going to be that much of a stretch for the Vols to beat them if they played well, because when Tennessee can get teams to play their style, I mean, they got Alabama to play their style, they got Kansas and now Duke, all three of those teams, that's when Tennessee is at their best. They're not going to win shootouts. We That much is obvious with this team, and they're not going to change overnight. So when they can bring teams into the mud like you said and like Kamwa said, that's when this team is firing on all cylinders. And they knew that's what they had to do. And, you know, whether you want to say it was dirty, whatever, Tennessee knew if they imposed their will at the start and told Duke, all right, you're going to play our style, you're going to play the way we want to play this game, that would be their best chance to win, and they did it. Um, and like I said at the intro, really controlled that game from start to finish. I mean, it was impressive. I I thought at some point there was going to be a Duke run in the second half. I mean, they got to within four or five, but never could deliver that that go-ahead blow. And that was really impressive to see because in that Louisiana game, don't want to spend too much time on it, but there was two scoring drafts of five minutes plus, and I kind of assumed in the second half we were going to get another one of those and Duke was going to get neck and neck. But credit to Kamala. I mean, he really kept the team afloat in the second half. 27 points for him. We hadn't seen a performance like that since the Texas game in January, I don't think. Yeah, uh, Kamala is the man of the, match, man of the match, excuse me. No doubt about it. He seems to, seems to become more of a monthly thing for him. Uh, Scoby is continuing to do his thing from the perimeter especially. Uh, he's going to be a big key to the next game, just continuing to knock down threes. But um, just a monstrous performance from Kamwa, especially. Uh, 27 points, five boards, 
Going to need to see a little flash of that again on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee shot 43% from three. That When they can shoot like that from deep, that, that makes this offense that much better. But, I mean, that was just a great program when it felt like. Duke, obviously, like you said, coming in 10-0, and ACC tournament champs. Everyone kind of penciled – not everyone, but a lot of people penciled the Blue Devils into the Sweet 16. They were a trendy dark horse pick to make a run in the Final Four. The Vols manhandled them, won by 13. Now they're on to the Sweet 16. That just felt like, you know, this team could have easily gone down the round of 32. I don't think anyone would have been too shocked by that. They, You know, it would have been like missed opportunity, but kind of expected to lose to Duke. Instead, they went out and took that game, won it, and now they have a great opportunity to make an even deeper run when you look at how the East region is broken with Purdue losing, Kentucky losing, Marquette losing. So it's right there for the taking for the Vols. Anything else you want to say about that Duke game? Uh, going back to the Euros fouls, I, I, we were both watching live. Uh, in the moment, I feel like everyone was kind of angry and like a classic, like Plavschitz, what are you doing moment. We've had uh, several of those throughout the season. But looking back on it throughout the game, as we continue to beat them up and, and just days after the game even, uh, I, I kind of fell in love with the way Euros kind of punched them in the mouth and and really grew to appreciate the way that is like we don't care who you are we're not we're not dealing with your you know I can't get the words out here but I was just I really appreciated the way he, he said he didn't back down no he said he set the tone early and, and Duke looked scared Filipowski did not look like he wanted to be in the paint with Euros at all and I guess you need a havoc wrecker like that in a tournament yeah I mean Euros we, we talked about it after the game Saturday and we were together and you know he fouls he get I mean he averages about four fouls a game he doesn't play really more than 18 to 20 minutes max but he gets the most of his fouls I mean when he fouls somebody it's not a ticky tack slap on the wrist reach in foul he he makes them feel it which you know obviously Rick Barnes has had his qualms with that but I think at the end of the day he knows we don't need euros to score 10 points we don't you know we need him to be in an a physical enforcer on the defensive end, grab rebounds on the offensive end, and facilitate, set up other people. So I think he's fine with the role Euros played in that game. And like you said, it, I, in the moment, you're a little frustrated, upset. What are you doing? Stupid foul. But looking back on it, I definitely agree. It, it, it was pivotal to setting the tone of that game. And like you were saying, I think I can draw a comparison to the Kentucky-Kansas State game where it's a similar thing. Kentucky and Duke storied blue bloods everyone's picking them to make dark horse runs in the tournament meanwhile Kansas State and Tennessee were kind of the non-basketball schools non-traditional powers yet they found a way to say you know we don't care that it's Kentucky or Duke we don't care that you have all these final fours at the end of the day we feel like our team is more talented better on paper and they and they went out and won and Tennessee like you said brought that to Duke by saying, you know, some teams would back down or kind of get deer in headlights because it's Duke. Tennessee took it right to him from the opening tip. So now moving on to FAU, the ninth-seeded Owls winners the Conference USA, which is an underrated conference this year. They had a couple good teams. 33-3 and obviously jumps off the page to you. I mean, it's an outstanding record. They beat a good Memphis team in the round, in the round of 64 with a little bit of controversy, but regardless, you know, People can complain about whether Memphis got screwed or not. 
FAU was still only down one in that spot. So it wasn't like Memphis was beating them by 10 and then FAU luckily won. It was a back-and-forth tight ball game. They hung right with them. And yes, that was a controversial whistle at the end, but if you turn the ball over in a situation like that, you can't make too many excuses afterwards. I agree. And then FAU got lucky and got the draw of Fairleigh Dickinson, and they, they had a 40-minute ball game with Fairleigh Dickinson. They were 15, 16-point favorites, but the Knights gave them all they could handle. Nonetheless, FAU onto the Sweet 16, first Tennessee, Madison Square Garden, Thursday night at 9 p.m. I mean, Tennessee... You look across the remaining Sweet 16 teams, maybe outside of Princeton, about as good a matchup as they could draw on paper. And the the thing about FAU, other than the record, very good three-point shooting team, and they're going to take a lot of threes. 36% three-point shooting team. Tennessee, obviously, if for those who don't know, has the best three-point percentage defense in the country. So this is kind of a which damn breaks. You know, is FAU going to continue their hot shooting? And Tennessee's defense doesn't matter, or is Tennessee's defense going to mitigate the trends that they've put up all season? And they averaged 78.3 points per game. They played Ole Miss and Florida way back in the start of the year, split those, beat Florida, lost to Ole Miss. But those games were in November. I don't put a ton of stock into them. Another thing about the Owls, young team, nine of their they play nine guys. That's another thing. They're a very deep team, very deep rotation. Nine guys get steady minutes, and eight of the nine – are under class or young not only one is a senior is the best way to put it leading scores a sophomore looking at the way FAU plays run and gun fast-paced three-point shooting team kind of I, I wrote down a poor man's Missouri I don't know if that's the right word but they want to play the style that Missouri plays which obviously gave Tennessee fits how do you assess that kind of matchup for Tennessee where it's a very contrast in styles well, you got to come with the same physicality and guard the perimeter, obviously, when you're dealing with a, sh- a team that can shoot like that um, if they don't bring into the paint much. Like like you said, they're a three-point shooting team mostly. Uh, FAU's a younger team. Their three leading scorers, I believe, are all sophomores. So maybe if you can use the same bully mentality that you had last weekend, then you can instigate some fear and, and just hope that they don't knock down tough shots. Yeah. I mean, if a team like this, you know, shoots a lot of threes, and we saw with Missouri, when Missouri came to Knoxville especially, if a team's making tough threes, you're guarding it well, there's really nothing you can do about that. And a co- coaches will tell you that. So if that's the way the game ends up going because FAU just, you know, they're that good from three and they, they can't be stopped, that's one thing. But the, all you can do is force them into tough threes, which Tennessee obviously is going to want to do. The listener question we got this week was kind of what we're just talking about. Will FAU's outside scoring from the perimeter be an issue to keep up with for Tennessee's lackluster offense? I can go first. I I see see where the person that's asking it goes. You know, Tennessee, like we just said, is not going to win a track meet. They haven't tried to do that all year. They know that's not their bread and butter. That's what FAU wants to do. So, yeah, if FAU – is outside shooting gets going and they're running down the court up and down. Basically it becomes a game of Tennessee having an answer on offense instead of FAU having an answer to Tennessee's defense where Tennessee's playing catch up. They're trying to, you know, keep the scoring going. Yeah. That worries me a little bit. I think that would probably be the recipe for success for FAU is getting in a track meet and saying, Hey, Tennessee, 
you're going to have to score 75 80 to win this game. What about you, Davis? Oh, uh, yeah, certainly you don't want to try and play their game. That's not Tennessee's style. Uh, another thing is you, you don't want to treat them like a nine seed. You got to come with the same dog mentality, like no one believes in you. Um, but you really just want to be the enforcer. And another thing, another thing I can think of is going back to the Louisiana game, there was a lot of unforced turnovers that will kill you against a good team. If you play like that, then you are asking to lose. So you don't, we didn't really have as many of those in the Duke game. So if you can kind of repeat that performance or similar in a similar way, then you'll be okay. But just no unforced errors on offense. Obviously, we're missing our point guard, Zakai Ziegler. So I got another question as well. Josiah Jordan James really since that Missouri, I mean, for the last, since he came back from injury outside of a game or two, it's been very inconsistent on the offensive end. And he's expected to be the with with Ziegler out, probably the second best offensive weapon this team has. Kamwa, you know, Tennessee got 27 points from Kamwa. I do not think it's realistic to expect anywhere near that the Nets game against FAU. If you take, I'd take 15 in a heartbeat. If someone said here Kamwa scored 15, I'd take that right now. No doubt about it. You need Josiah to get going on the offensive end. Are you worried about his ability to do so? Well, yeah. I mean, he hasn't shown us much for the last few games. Um, he's going to have to step up. If not him, someone else. Maybe you get a performance out of Adu or the biannual Tyreek Key shooting performance. <laughs> but uh, someone, it's going to have to be someone. Uh, we would expect a lot more out of Josiah being that this is, he's a senior. He's been with us a long time. He's been in the system for a long time. And he's but shown flashes. He's shown flashes, but not enough. Yeah. I mean, his three-point shot especially has been very shaky. And that's, you know, then you're really looking at, other than Vescovi, who can consistently make threes on this team. I don't know. I mean, Kamala did it, but... You can't rely shooting, on that. Yeah, though. three points. And he's not going to take more than three a game, three or four a game. So I think he has to get going because I think there's going to be a game, whether it's FAU or down the road, where, you know, we were lucky against Louisiana. Vescovi only scored three points, and we still found a way to win. I think most people, especially me especially, if you'd said, hey, Vescovi's going to score three points, I'd be very scared. If that happens again, someone's going to have to step up. And Kamwa's not going to give you 27 again in this tournament. I really don't think so. I think someone else, you know, to win a game like the Duke game will have more of those down the road if keep advancing. Someone like Josiah is going to have to step up and kind of have a similar game to what Kamwa did. Quick question. Is Julian Phillips capable of being that guy? No. He had one game like that way back in Atlantis, but with the limited minutes he gets and kind of the offense never really running through him. He barely gets touches on offense. I don't think it's capable. I mean, he's the best free throw shooter on the team, so if he found a way to drive and get to the line, which I think he should do more, he might be able to give you some some needed points. But no, I don't think it's realistic to expect him to have a 15 to 20-point performance any point in this tournament. You agree? Completely. So I'll give my keys to the game. You can give yours. Um, I just have two here and one kind of springboarded off of what you said, limiting turnovers. The Louisiana game, that's what kept the Raging Cajuns in that ball game. I mean, Tennessee was up 18, and I think they committed 12 in the first half at least. And like you said, a lot of them are unforced. It's not like a deflected pass or you know a steal by the point guard on loose ball handling. It was 
passes to where nobody was over people's heads, um, stupid charges on offense, etc. You limit the turnovers, I think they're okay. If you replicate what you did against Louisiana, FAU's a much better team. They will beat you. They're going to capitalize on it more than Louisiana did. And then my second key, use your size to your advantage. Tennessee is a much bigger, much more physical team than FAU. You have to use that to your advantage. FAU wants to shoot in the perimeter. So, yeah, maybe you can't, you know, like what Duke did, where they try to go down low and you can stuff their shots. That's not going to happen as much. But don't let them get offensive rebounds. They miss a three, make it only one sh- a one-shot possession. And then on the offensive end, offensive rebounding, getting guys extra looks, drawing fouls because you got smaller guys on you down low. Those kind of things that just affect each possession with and with how much weight there is on each possession in a 40-minute college basketball game can be the difference. I will copycat with the limit turnovers. That's very important. I've got also on my list, be the enforcers. You're the older, more experienced team here. You should be able to bully them. Don't try to play their game like we've said a couple times. And to go along with the theme of all season, make enough threes to be in the game. I agree. I mean, I think we both kind of know at some point there's going to be a scoring drought for Tennessee. It seems to happen every game. So you just got to be able to weather that. Hopefully put together a good enough 10 minutes prior and 10 minutes after where you can weather that three or four minutes of no scoring. And three-point shooting helps that a lot. So that'll wrap up our discussion about the men's basketball team. On to the Lady Vols basketball team. They beat St. Louis, the 13 seed and the 12 seed Toledo in the round of 64 and round of 32, respectively. Moving on to the Sweet 16, not to mention they beat won both those games very easily. 30-plus point wins. Both those games were at TBA as well. Now they move on to the Sweet 16 versus Virginia Tech Saturday night. Virginia Tech, the one seed in the region. Lady Vols now have the most Sweet 16 appearances of any men's or women's basketball program, which is a pretty impressive feat. Hopefully they can take it to Virginia Tech. I imagine they'll be underdogs in that game, but really outside of one or two teams in women's basketball, it doesn't seem like there's as much dominance in years prior. So we'll make sure to update you guys on how they do this weekend on our next episode. Depending on how the FAU game goes, we might have an episode Friday if it's a win and we want to preview the Elite Eight matchup. Hopefully we have that episode. Hopefully it's a win. Hopefully we don't have a sad episode next week. But I think that'll do it unless you have anything else, Davis. Yeah, one more thing. You Did you see the um, 360 attempt at the end of the FAU oh, versus yeah. FDU? That turned a lot of people, I think, into Vols fans Thursday night. Yeah, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's classless. I, I didn't have as like much anger towards it as some people on Twitter, etc. I think guy probably got caught up in the moment, having fun. They just made the Sweet 16 at Florida Atlantic. It's not like they're some big favorite either. But I know some people that talked to me that said, I'm rooting for Tennessee now because they didn't like that. No, I agree. I, it didn't anger me too much, but I, I do think the fact that that it was a, a 16 seed that you just beat. Maybe you try to avoid doing that. You know, if it's a big game and you just cause a huge upset, then then go ahead. But you were up six or eight points against a 16 seed. So I, I, I can see why it rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah, I think there's a time and a place. But that'll do it for episode six. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for episode seven.